Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I was a wildland firefighter for a few Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Seasons. So I spent quite a bit time far in middle of nowhere. Irony. I have began to feel way safer in middle of nowhere even at night than I ever do in a very safe city. But here was one thing that really stand out in my mind. One night we got assigned to watch the fire line. So we were spaced about 100 yards apart from each other and we were on hill. Plus, it was night time and the fire was pretty much dead. Well, or dead. We can see it in distance, but that is it. 
so we cannot see each other unless we flash light at each other. Anyway, I was sitting watching fire in far distance when I noticed something dark moving about 20 foot away from me. This wasn't unusual since a lot of animals roams around at night time. I slowly tilt my head down to look at it. I notice it was oddly shaped. I sat still and try to make out what it was. After some time I cannot figure out what it was. I turn light on. Saw a huge eyes, somewhat diamond-shaped head with massive ears. With ashes flying all over the place and odd tint of the light, the object looked like a goblin. I swear my eyes was bulging out of the socket as I saw this goblin. I sat still for a bit trying to decide whether I should scream or not. I went to school in a very remote area near Mont St. Helens. There's a trail used by the biology class, natural resources class and cross country team that leads to a water tower up on the hill. It's heavily wooded and kids go up there almost every day. My buddy and I were waiting for his big sister's softball practice to finish up after school so she could drive us home. In the meantime, we hiked up that trail. We hiked to the top and on the way down got a very uneasy feeling. We both felt it. The kind of eerie that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, like we were being watched. We continued on, but neither one of us felt comfortable. Something wasn't right. We just wanted to get off the hill and out of the woods. All of a sudden, we heard the loudest, freakiest scream directly behind us. We both froze. I still to this day have never been so terrified. I looked at my buddy who was completely pale. I couldn't talk. All he mouthed was, do, not, run. He mouthed the word cougar to me. I hadn't heard a pissed off cougar before that. All I can describe it as is a blood-curdling screech from hell. We saw a few people walking towards us around the bend, which must have spooked the cat. We told the group to turn around. Rumor has it the cat had a den under the stadium bleachers. Don't know if it was true or not. We never did see it. I drove for a delivery service for two years delivering grocery bags that people ordered. Deliveries were between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. One night I was out late because I had a long distance to drive for my last delivery of the night. I was out in more or less in the middle of nowhere rather deep into a forest and arrived at four houses on a small road. After the delivery I turned back on the road. It's late November so it's very dark outside. As I make a 90 turn on with the road, my headlights clearly lit up a figure of a lady in a bright white dress, standing in the ditch on the side of the road. I probably only saw her for a second and couldn't make out a face, but I swear I saw her starting to move towards me. I drove out of there with lightning speed. Between the cabin and the storage space in the back, there is a door for passage. It's completely empty back there and dark. I had to spend the full 45-minute drive back, continuously waving the motion-detected lights on back there because I just felt this eerie presence back there while it was dark. That was the last time I ever had a delivery to that place on that route. One time and one time only. When I lived on a farm, one day I went up to fix a fence that a tree fell on. It was just a routine task nothing out of the ordinary. 
the sun was shining and the air was filled with a familiar sense of the countryside. Little did I know that this day would forever change my perspective on farming. As I worked diligently on repairing the fence, the only sound accompanying me was the occasional rustle of leaves and the creaking of the old wooden posts. But then, a distant and rhythmic beat caught my attention. It was faint at first, almost blending with a natural symphony of the farm. I paused, trying to identify the source of the sound. It sounded like drums, distant yet persistent. Kind of freaky, I thought, but I brushed it off as my imagination playing tricks on me. After all, farms can be filled with peculiar sounds and unexplained phenomena. Determined to finish my task, I focused on mending the fallen fence. Time passed, and the beat of the drums continued to echo in the background, growing slightly louder with each passing moment. Suddenly, without warning, a massive figure burst out from the thick bushes nearby. It was an ostrich, running at full speed, its long legs propelling it forward with incredible speed. My heart raced as I watched the creature charging straight towards me. Well, F that, I thought to myself, instinctively leaping onto the quad bike parked nearby. With a surge of adrenaline, I revved the engine and zoomed away, leaving the furious ostrich in my wake. I could hardly believe what had just happened. The speed at which that bird was closing in on me was astounding. It was as if it had a personal vendetta against me. Moment later, the F was right beside me, pecking at the thumb that rested on the throttle before slowing down and eventually stopping the chase. Shaken but relieved, I realized that this ostrich must have escaped from an ostrich farm in the next valley. The distant drumbeat I had heard earlier was perhaps a sign of its restlessness or longing for freedom. That day, as I reflected on the encounter, I couldn't help but feel a newfound respect for the unpredictability of farm life. It was a reminder that no matter how well we plan and try to control our surroundings, nature can always throw us a curvy ball. That might have been the day I decided that farming wasn't for me. The incident with the ostrich opened my eyes to the unexpected challenges and dangers that came with agricultural life. Eva Trent had fallen asleep when she awoke to a buzzing sound. Opening her eyes, she was horrified to find two strange creatures standing on either side of her bed. The entity to her right was about seven, eight feet tall, weighed about 300 pounds, had apparently no clothing and seemed to have either crocodile or snake-type skin. The creature to her left was identical in appearance, but smaller in height and weight. They seemed to be communicating in a chirping manner. Each of the entity's eyes glowed. Eva quickly discovered that she was unable to move. As she stared at the two creatures, she found that either one or both were giving her instructions telepathically. The nature of this was seemingly for her to create mentally visual scenes of various kinds, and then they proceeded to distort that particular pleasant scene in a perverse manner. Apparently the creatures were intent not only to observe her emotional reaction, but also possibly to feed off the energy that was produced. After a while, Eva began to mentally resist the mind manipulation and began to pray earnestly. A short time later, she fell back to sleep. The next morning, the witness found five of her music tapes grossly distorted as if extreme heat had been applied. However, no evidence of fire or odor was present. 
I was 11 years old, and it was the first time I was home alone late at night. And obviously, like all great scary movies, it was thunder and lightning out on this specific night. So I'm sitting in my living room watching TV trying to pretend like I'm not terrified. Ignoring the lightning and thunder when I hear it for the first time, a bang on my front door. It's loud and immediately my heart stops. I try to ignore it and go back to watching TV when again another bang. At this point I'm shitting my pants, I don't know what to do. I'm 11 years old, no cell phone to call anyone, and if I get up to use the landline I have to walk right past the front door. This goes on for literally like an hour just loud bangs on my front door. Sometimes just one, sometimes a couple in a row. Finally I'm like F it. I'm making a beeline for the phone and calling my paps seeing when he's gonna be home. I sprint past my door in hopes whoever the murderer at my front door is. Won't some home see me cross the hallway 10 feet in front of him and dial my dad. Tell him what's happening so he comes home right then and there. I sit in fear frozen next to the phone for until he gets home. He finally comes home and lets me know the reason I've been shaking in fear for the past hour. It is because I forgot to close the screen door and it's been swinging in the wind off the house back and forth, F me right. He still makes fun of me from time to time about it. When I was 16, around 20 years ago, Dan, I'm old. I was an angsty teen and my dad wanted to go camping with me to reconnect. He let me invite a couple of my friends and we camped out in this groomed spot that was adjacent to a neighborhood. It wasn't a real camping spot, so to speak more like a wooded area in a populated area that was carved out for recreational camping. I call it city slicker camping. Anyway, we made camp and had dinner. Later that night, an argument broke out between my two friends and I took one of them Nick out with me on a walk to cool off. It was around midnight and while we were in a relatively populated area, my friend brought along a replica gun as a form of protection. Being a replica, it couldn't really protect us, but we figured that if we ran into some unruly people, we could scare them off with it very stupid, I know. Well, during our walk, we somehow made it out of the camping area and made our way into the adjacent neighborhood. By this point, it was getting really late and we had been walking for a good hour and a half. Earlier, we had passed by what looked to be an old elementary school when Nick started telling me ghost stories to freak me out it worked. This went on for a little while until I got so freaked out, I wanted to head back. Because I was a scared little girly boy, I demanded the gun from him and we decided to head back. By this time, it was closing on 2 a.m. and we were passing by the elementary school again. Just a quick for your information, we were walking on a paved street. We decided against walking on the sidewalk because we were rebels and there was zero traffic out. Anyway, as we passed by the school again, we both heard a ringing sound. I had no idea what it was at first, but it was a little ways behind us. We both turned around at the same time, but saw nothing. We were thoroughly spooked by this point and started walking really fast back to camp. We were still a good hour and a half away, so we had a long way to go. As we walked faster, we heard the ringing again, but it was much closer. Judging by the sound, I figured it was around 20 or 30 feet behind us. We both stopped in our tracks and looked at each other. It wasn't a planned move, 
but I think since we were so spooked already, we didn't want to just turn around. We had seen enough horror movies to know what happens when you just turn around after hearing a creepy sound. After making eye contact, we slowly turned our heads to look at whatever was making the ringing sound. We saw a little girl, not more than 10 years old, riding around on a bike. She didn't look supernatural or anything. She looked real as any other little girl, but she was wearing a very thin dress and she was riding a bike around in circles. I had come to the conclusion that the ringing sound was from a bell on the bike. It was relatively cool out and I had a hard time staying warm wearing a thick sweater and hat. This girl was in a pale dress frilly and was riding around on a bike at close to 2 a.m. Spooky as hell, but since she wasn't see-through or have glowing eyes, we kinda relaxed a bit. We both turned around and started walking again, but after a few seconds I heard the ringing sound again, but it was really close to us at this point, like right behind us. I turned around very quickly to ask her one simple question. Why are you riding around at night following us? But no one was there. It was like as if she just vanished into thin air. Sounds corny as hell, but hey, that's what happened. I turned around and from what my friend tells me, I was as white as a sheet. I guess he knew something was wrong and he just started sprinting. I was already thinking the same thing so I was right there with him. We made it back to camp and nearly half the time it took us to get out there in the first place. All the anger from the previous argument had subsided and it was just us recounting our ghostly tale to my dad and buddy. Good times were had after that, but I will never forget that experience. I'm sure there is a logical reason behind what happened, but it's still fun to think about it and on occasion, it still creeps me out. I live in the middle of the nowhere like, get Google Maps up, zoom out four times before you see anything but green around my house in the UK. My house is also over 300 years old, and I have a couple things to share. I'm self-employed, so I spend most of my time alone out here while my mum, who I live with the house is legally mine now, but I also grew up in it, is at work. None of this is supernatural at all, just creepy country folk so I'll start small. There are the old foundations of some stone houses up on the hill behind us, dug right into the rock, the same rock our house is made of, incidentally. Me and my childhood BFF used to hang out up there in what we imagined to be the basement of this long-gone house. All that's left are some eroded stone steps down and the indentation in the hillside of the basement or foundations. We didn't do anything, really, except sit and talk. We went up there every day for weeks one summer, and then one day, we both get this very powerful sense of dread that we shouldn't be there. We both said in our own way that the fairies didn't want us there, huh, British kids like. I know I at least could almost feel the force of someone's dislike for my presence shoving at me. And then suddenly, we're just running. I honestly remember very little we were sitting there, suddenly freaked out and then hurtling down the hillside across two fields, over my garden gate, and inside the house in what felt like seconds but had to be minutes. I must have slipped at some point because I had sheep poop streaked all the way up my side, but I don't remember falling. LMAO, I'm 27 now and I flat out won't go to that place, I'll go around it, I'll go near it, but I am not stepping foot in what I feel like are its boundaries. 
never again. Two, we've had search helicopters hovering low all around us and over the wood for nights in a row and have never been told what they're doing. Spotlights the works. Nothing on local news. Sometimes I can't help but feel like there is something going on there. Other times I think, nah, it'll just be training ops. I don't know. Seems like an intense training op, if so. And at 11 p.m., 2 a.m. 3. Another time we went walking in the woods, as we often did when I was younger, and found a dirty mattress just lying there in the dirt. Thing is, this wood is not bordered by any roads at all, nor do any pass through it to get a mattress deep into it like that. You'd have to park half a mile away from the tree line and drag it over at least two fields, including climbing the fences, and then up a hill through densely packed trees and brambles. No idea why someone would do that. I mean, I know getting laid is a big deal and all, but there are other woodlands around here closer to the road. Often at night, something will land very heavily on our roof and scrabble and skitter across the tiles, not like talons scraping, which we're used to, but the skittering of a four-legged mammal. It's loud enough to wake us both up and spook the cat badly. There's really no way for anything that doesn't have wings to be landing on our roof, though no trees overhanging at all. It'd be easy enough to climb the gutters, but this thing sounds like it's landing from a height. All I can think is that owls are dropping the feistier rats they catch on our roof by accident, but it seems like a stretch for that to happen so often. Can't comfortably explain it, gives me the creeps. On nights after I've heard it, I'm always more reluctant to go outside after dark. Three, some sort of beetle or something has been eating my window frame, like chunks of the wood are missing. I hear it start to click away at it at night, but when I open my shutter and try to spot the little bugger, there's nothing to be seen except the bite wounds on the wood. 4. We had a neighbor, three fields over, who was a big-time child psychiatrist in the 60s, but who, when she was at her conferences, used to leave her son outside alone in the car for six, seven hours at a time in all weathers. The pair of them both creeped me the F out well, he still does. She collected dolls like a classic horror movie weirdo, and had UV-sensitive skin so had to wear a raincoat, elbow-length gloves, a sun hat and shades and all weathers literally couldn't have been better nightmare fuel for a child. One time I cycled past her house, and she was just standing, full raincoat, on her doorstep with her arms outstretched, and her head down, face hidden by the hood of the coat, perfectly still. But in truth, I think she was actually harmless, just a little weird. Her son, though, turned out to be an S offender, if you know what I mean. Five young victims that we know of after his mum died, and he still lives in her house, two fields over. Sure does feel safe. Five. A little girl walked up and down the nearest road calling for her daddy. Not distressed, just like a bored kid who was being kept waiting. But I have no idea who she was. Nobody around here has children or grandchildren. Went to find the closest neighbor's number so I could alert them, and she was gone by the time I'd finished speaking to them. 5. Guy closest to us, one field over, has had his hunting dogs taken off him by the RSPCA three times. He keeps them in a tiny sheet metal shack with no outdoor access, except once a week, or less, when he takes them hunting. He keeps managing to get more despite the court order, and you can very often hear him screaming at them, and them yelping. To end on a light note, 
I have really disturbed sleeping habits so tend to work from 7 p.m. 5 a.m. most days and will usually still be awake until 6, 7 a.m. One such morning in October last year, there's a very heavy frost, a light mist. It's just early enough for the birds to still be quiet in the trees. I'm riding upstairs and I hear this long, low, guttural bellow. Nothing like a cow. All I can describe it as is it sounded like the sound effects they use for dinosaur noises in Jurassic Park. Silence. And then another bellow, this one louder and longer. I'm quietly freaking the F out because in 26 years in the countryside, I know my animal noises and I've never heard anything like this. For a surreal moment, my brain just can't fit that noise into any sensible form of reality. And I actually, seriously, honestly believe some sort of time-slipped dinosaur, or F, a stranded alien, is injured or dying in our field. The bellowing sounds again, this time ending in a high-pitched wail, even more like a movie dinosaur than before. I carefully make my way downstairs and outside into the garden, which would definitely get me killed in any horror movie. I don't know what I was thinking. I tiptoe in the direction of the noise, now a series of low, throaty rumbles, rather like a bear totally ready to find myself at the center of a major world event, or else a major government cover-up, and I see. A stag. It was a stag. His harem. Had strayed and he wasn't happy about it. It was a stag. I feel certain that most Americans would have already guessed that. But man, in the UK to see deer in the wild is honestly very rare outside of certain limited locations. They're the only deer I've ever seen around here, let alone heard. And he was. Amazing. Like, I'd only ever seen stags like that on postcards and in documentaries. Breath steaming in the cold, huge rack of antlers, head tipped back all the way and just yelling at the sky. As though a deer of female deers turn out to be around the back of my house. Hence him aiming all of his unearthly bellows in our direction. And I just stand and watch, stunned, as the three of them bounce over the fence and rejoin them. And they all just... melt into the tree line. My ship pulled into El Salvador, I believe it was. Maybe one of the neighboring Central American countries for fuel. But that's beside the point. As we are pulling in, I'm on the bridge wing as bearing taker using an alidade to shoot bearings through a slightly magnified lens. It's absolutely dark out aside from our navigation lights and the few dim lights near the pier, so my sight was pretty adjusted to the dark at this point. I happened to see something catch my eye in the sky, maybe a mile and a half off our starboard side, moving towards land at an altitude probably around 1,000 feet. It looked sort of like a B-2 stealth bomber, but more triangular. There were zero light emissions coming from it, and it was absolutely silent. Imagine a giant black triangular kite. That's what it reminded me of. It was moving around 200-300 miles per hour, if I had to guess. I watched until this dark shape against the starry backlit sky was too far into the distance to see it. After we tied up, I asked my friend who was the port-bearing taker, and the lookout if they saw it, and they both said no. That was the freakiest thing I've ever seen and maybe truly consider it to be a UFO. I'm a trucker and I just want to tell my story. Some years back, I was driving home from work. 
I was a little tired and focusing on staying awake. At one point during the drive, I look over and see a girl in the passenger seat of my car. She was probably early teens, pale, long black hair, wearing a white dress and an absolute blank star on her face. She looked over at me. It scared me to the point where I just sat straight up, suddenly wide awake, looked back over and she was gone. Had I not seen her, I possibly would have fallen asleep at the wheel. Ghost Girl probably saved my life that night, so thanks I guess. I suddenly awoke, sensing a distinct presence in the bedroom. Initially, I assumed it was my daughter entering the room. Opening my eyes, I glanced towards the side of the bed, where I witnessed an entity standing in front of the wardrobe. It faced me and my sleeping wife, emanating a soft, dull bluish glow throughout its body. The entity possessed human-like characteristics, with a small head featuring a pointed chin and a bald, domed shape. Its thin neck supported a barrel-shaped body, while its flexible arms moved slowly in a manner reminiscent of Tai Chi movements. The glow surrounding it obscured its facial features, yet it emitted an aura of tranquility. As the entity appeared to gaze towards my daughter's room, it suddenly reacted, turning its head slightly in my direction. With a smooth motion, it extended a hand towards me, its fingers spread wide. From its palm, a pale ball of light gracefully leaped towards me in slow motion, striking me squarely between the eyes. My last memory was that surreal moment, and then I found myself in broad daylight, with the strange entity vanished. I have had disabling migraines for the past 15 years. I realized I was addicted to Xanax and Valium and anything to stop the pain and keep me functioning. Eventually I crashed. I had to stop working, I couldn't read or go into any stores. I lived downtown in big city and wore earplugs to leave my building because the noise was too much. I created a sort of isolation booth for myself. I still more or less live in it. Strangest things I've seen. No. Strangest sensations I think are more like it. I've had moments when I was so starved for human interaction, but couldn't handle the stimulation I would lay in bed holding a body pillow with blackouts drawn, earplugs in, and an eye mask just in case. Sometimes I'd lay for days. Often I didn't have enough cognitive function to feel anything but hunger. I have lain in bed and cried because I couldn't heat up a microwave meal. It is an odd sensation to be hungry, have food available, and be starving. Not anorexic. Incapable. The next is that I don't exist. Time doesn't exist. I forget what month I'm in. I forget what I had for breakfast, or if I had breakfast. I've had bills go to collection because they sat and sat. Not procrastination, but again, my cognitive function drops low enough it's like being a zombie. When I have moments of clarity, it's like being dropped in a war zone, knowing you probably don't have time to leave entirely so you strategize what the next best possible foxhole is. Not existing, I forget to check my phone. I lose it. I haven't talked to anyone in days. My mind starts sort of swooping. I remember random encounters with strangers that must have been my last human contact. Vividly accounting for the head nons I made as I walked down the street toward the subway. Two drug dealers, I know them, two college kids, bright clothes, 
a Latina woman standing next to me on the platform. I remember when cognizant that I was staring, and she gave me a slight smile and I felt like that was such radiance. So, clearly more than just isolation. But I've learned that my brain is powerful in ways that I try to find interesting rather than frustrating. My experiences make me feel like I'm in a sort of matrix walking through people who felt as real to me as mannequins and stick to such odd schedules. If this didn't make any sense, sorry. Early 2000s, I was traveling a remote highway in eastern Nevada close to the Utah border when I saw some lights in the horizon. I assumed they were lights to some mine and thought nothing of it until I had gone another 20 miles and realized they were still there. I pulled over to a gas station and asked the lady if she knew what the lights were from. She does not answer me, only turns off all the lights and then picks up the phone to call someone and tell them they're back. All of a sudden, various groups of people start showing up walking from either direction in the highway to congregate at the gas station and stare off silently toward the horizon. Where these people came from, I have no idea because I had not noticed any houses. I simply made my way back to the car and discreetly went on my merry way, wondering what the F just happened. Once I went out to go to a drive-out in our 80-acre land, about half of that land is pure swampland. The rest of it is fields and pasture. We were doing it on my grandfather's land since we own land, but it is only two fields. We go hunting on this land every year, but we have never done drives. When I usually go hunting, I went with my dad, since I was too young to go alone. But these last two years, I have become old enough to where I can hunt alone. See, we went on our drive since we now had enough people. I instantly regretted saying yes when my dad asked me if I wanted to do a drive. We live next to an Indian tribe. They are civilized, but are known for trespassing. That has nothing to do about the story, but that's why I instantly regretted it. So we went. I had my 223 caliber in my hands. I was alone and in the middle of the swamp. It was winter, icy and cold. As soon as I entered, I slipped. It hurt since my back landed on a log. I went on, though. A couple of minutes later, I hear a voice. It sounds like my dad's, but it sounded weird. I called him on the walkie-talkie, and he responded, talking very quiet. But I could still hear the voice. It was becoming louder. I continue on thinking that it's just my head playing games while I was wrong. I walk forward a few feet and freeze. I saw someone, or something because it sure wasn't human-like. It was very tall and slim, and as soon as I looked at it, it ran very fast. I ran the opposite way. Told them to get out of there, they did. I called them to regroup and told them what I saw and heard. I never went into the swamp again. But I still go hunting at the land and never saw it since. This gives me nightmares till this day, and that was two years ago. Could it be a Sasquatch? I'm a photographer and I love shooting creepy old stuff in the middle of the night. In the middle of nowhere, I am always alone. One night I am at the old, deserted ruins of a fort in West Texas working on a western series. The site covers many, many acres and is mostly just fallen walls and piles of rubble. 
The history of the place includes an Indian massacre, unmarked graves, and other assorted creepy factors. This in and of itself is nothing to me. As I said, I do this sort of thing often and never experience anything like I did that night. As I pulled into the site, I was immediately struck with a feeling of dread and doubt about the shoot. Just five minutes prior, I was full of excitement and vigor. I had been traveling for hours to reach this desolate place and was glad to be getting close. I shake off the feeling of dread and toss back a five-hour energy. I had been awake at this point for 20 hours. It was nearing midnight. I gathered my equipment, which consists of a compass, a tripod, camera, and a small light. Oh, also a 30-30 rifle, it's a western series with a few selfies. I begin walking into the footprint of the old fort. It is a warm night, but I am feeling uneasy. I have goosebumps and my short hairs are standing on end. This is an alien reaction for my normally cool demeanor. It is nothing for me to walk through a forest at night, flashlight, or moonlight. Anyway, I find a spot I like and start to set up for a shot. I hear a noise. Not a big deal, I think. It's just an animal. Seconds later, I hear something that sounds like a whisper. It was muted, even for a whisper. There was nothing to make out. This time I dismiss it as an auditory hallucination, which I know could be likely given the number of hours I have been awake. All this time my heart is pounding, and wave after wave of chills, doubt and dread are passing through me. Still, I have traveled for hours and I decide this is a test of my mettle, and I won't let fear get to me and ruin this shoot. Even though I had determination on my side, my hands were shaking, and I could not think clearly. The shots are difficult and require some camera setup, which I could not seem to get right. Normally, I see a shot and instinctively know where to set ISO, aperture, color temperature, etc. Fast forward three minutes. I get one crappy shot, maybe two. I take a deep breath and walk to another spot. I hear the whisper again, this time behind me. I turn quickly, light in hand, and there is nothing there. Gathering every ounce of willpower, I walk, slowly, to the next spot, whispers in tow. I stop, and I am shaking at this point. I set up for the shot. The whisper has turned to whispers, and they surround me. I am trying to play this off as tricks of the mind due to lack of sleep, but my self-pep talk is not working anymore. I reach to press the shutter button, a cacophony of whispers surrounding me, and it was then that I felt very clearly the weight of a hand on my shoulder. Needless to say, that was it for me. Shoot was over, and I made haste to my car and got the F out of there. I found a convenience store that glowed like a white beacon in the night 30 or 40 miles down the road. I had coffee and collected myself for half an hour. About an hour later, I was in an old cemetery taking photos, and I was completely at ease. Was it fatigue? Maybe. But none of it carried over to the rest of the night. I won't go back to that fort alone again. My family has a summer house on a large remote island. Our place is in the most lightly inhabited part, and to get to it you either have to sail or fly, and then either hike over extremely steep terrain so steep that on the downhill side one has to hang onto trees and bracken and go hand over hand and half slide down for about three hours or travel for around 40 minutes in a little open-topped boat at high tide. 
There are no roads or utilities. There are some other houses around, but they are far apart and one has to walk through thick bush on tiny narrow tracks for at least 10-15 minutes to get to a neighbor. There are no lights and while the stars and moon are very bright, on a cloudy night you literally cannot see your hand in front of your face. It's incredibly remote and mostly incredibly idyllic. Long childhood summers running wild through the forest and playing in the streams. There are some incredibly creepy things about it though. Story 1. There is a grave at the entrance to the river. It's been there since the 1800s and is a light colored stone with a white picket fence around it. The woman buried there was one of the original settlers of the area. When I was a child, the grave had fallen into disrepair. Strange things started happening all around the houses in the area. Doors slamming without a breeze, funny noises, taps turning on and off by themselves, little things going missing and weird problems with boat motors with no explanation. After a while, the community got sick of it and someone suggested it had something to do with the grave. After laughing it off, everyone decided it wouldn't hurt to clean up the grave. They went out one day, weeded, scrubbed the stone, painted the fence, said a few words and all the weird happenings stopped. Story 2. There are places that just feel wrong all over the area. There are no dangerous creatures on the island other than potentially wild pigs, and it's always the same places. It makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck to walk through them, even in groups, and more than a few times I've sprinted dangerously on narrow, dangerous tracks when walking by myself at night just because I'm freaked as hell by the sense of fear and dread. And I'm almost 30 and not at all afraid of the dark under normal circumstances. It's not just humans either. I got a new dog. I was walking along a track with him in the middle of the day in bright sunshine, and we were maybe one men from one of these creepy places. Suddenly he stopped dead and he tensed up, stared right down the trail at the creepy area and started growling and barking and backing away. He got to the point where he was pressed up against my legs, tail down. As I was reaching down to touch him, he let out a sound that was crossed between a scream and a bark, ran around me and dashed off back the way we'd come. I turned around and started sprinting too. I found him at the house cowering under a bench. Ever since, he's absolutely refused to even go to the start of that track. I'm a night owl. I always stay up late at night and watch TV. I just happened to look out my window one night and saw what I initially thought was a man sitting on a roof. I thought it was a man because at first he looked almost naked until I saw the hair or fur on him. He then turned his face and what I saw then was frightening. He had pointed ears like a dog and a long snout. They were almost like a German shepherd's ears. I could not understand what I was looking at. I just stared at him for a few minutes. I felt like if I moved, it would see me. It sat there on its butt, with human-looking arms and legs, but with hair or fur covering them. I backed away from the window very slowly and went to tell my husband. He didn't want to get up and go look, because he thought I was imagining it. I went back to the window and it was gone. I don't know or understand what I saw that night, but I did tell my husband and kids what I saw. It has haunted me for many years until I was just telling a few of my grandchildren recently at camp. 
One of them got on the computer and found some pictures of what they thought I meant. It was so scary. I was looking at the same thing I saw on the roof that night. I could not believe it. As I sit here looking at that picture, I did not know it really existed many, many years ago. Last week I went with a female friend to the Veloeferist in the Netherlands hiking for two days and one night. We had a pretty intense encounter with an unknown cryptid. During the day we gathered during our breaks some lingonberries which are now present in huge quantities. So when we finished hiking on the first day, we had set up our tent somewhere in the middle of the dense forest. We like it that way I suppose and the dark had set in and the only light we had was from a little head torch which we had hung around a branch. We were cooking the lingonberries, not realizing that the scent could attract something. After maybe five minutes of cooking, I heard something a big cryptid move some leaves and already whispered to my friend, we have got company. The sound disappeared for a minute or so and suddenly the most long-stretched, deep, moaning grunt came out of the blackness, maybe from about 10 to 15 meters or so. The blood froze in my veins, but when it repeated a couple of times, I realized that I had to do something, because this F wanted to eat from our stuff and maybe fight us for it. So I walked to the nearest bush, rattled it wildly, and yelled to the predator that looked like Yeti to get the hell away. A few seconds later, we heard a take of in the most relaxed manner. My friend stepped next to me and I took her hand and places it over my heart region on my chest. It was pounding wildly. It was really intense and within the next couple of minutes, we decided that we are the cool type of crazy for enjoying this kind of stuff. Around 2007, I used to go hiking in remote parts of India. Once I was visiting a friend of mine working in a very remote village. Back then, the village had no electricity. I have been to this village a couple of times before. It's a long bus journey to reach the nearest road that leads to the village. This road itself is pretty secluded and sees only two buses a day. It's a four-mile walk through the fields to reach the village. I got down the bus in the middle of the night. I started walking down the fields to the village. It's a full moon day, so there was enough light to walk without any flashlights. It was a very cold day, but I was feeling dehydrated from the bus journey. I walked to the nearest well in a farm to get some water. Once I finished drinking, I started walking back and looked at a really huge tree nearby, and I was terrified to see a young lady sitting under the tree. With bulged out eyes looking right at me, I was frightened at the sight, but tried to ask aloud what she doing there at that time. But she didn't reply and was just looking at me with no movement. It's a mile from there to the village, and I started running at full speed. When I reached the village, I was running fever, and it took me a day to fully recover from that shock. Later, I have been told that it's a tradition in that village neither to bury nor to cremate a woman when she dies pregnant but just to leave the body outside the village after a ritual. Was with my dad back in the early 2000s, saw a few things and wasn't sure about others. Creepy, with construction, took a detour off 75 going to Lexington, Kentucky around 11 p.m.s. in the summer. Clear night, but once we hit that detour, the whole road got cloudy like fog surrounded us. 
There was a road we took that had only houses on the right side of the road, and a huge cornfield as tall as the doors on the left. Weird thing was that every house had candles on their windows. Street lights were working, but there were only two down that road. We came to a dead end and so we turned around, now I'm facing the cornfields. Swore I saw something tall running in there. The whole route through there, my dad and I stayed quiet until we found a route back to the highway. Dad, that was creepy. Yeah, what the F? Other times I saw a giant shadow moving in an open field while we were unloading. I looked up, nothing, not a single cloud or bird in sight. I've also seen in daylight a silver speck flying incredibly fast in the sky, just with the clouds. No jet stream, no sound. It cleared on half of the city in about 15-20 seconds and halfway through, it just disappeared in a cloud. Like it went straight into a cloud and didn't come out. I was just waiting for it to show, but nothing. In the frigid, obsidian depths of the waters off the coast of Somalia, my team of Navy SEALs and I embarked on a mission that would demand every ounce of our training, resilience, and courage. The date etched in my memory was 2023 and our mission was nothing short of dismantling a notorious pirate network, wreaking havoc on international shipping lanes. I belonged to SEAL Team Bravo, a brotherhood of elite warriors whose diverse skills had been meticulously honed through years of grueling training. Among us was Lieutenant Michael Raptor Thompson, our seasoned and battle-hardened leader with a wealth of experience gained from multiple deployments. Our intelligence revealed that the pirate mastermind, codenamed Blackbeard, orchestrated his operations from a coastal village, turning it into a hub for planning and executing hijackings. Our mission directive was clear. Infiltrate the village, neutralize Blackbeard, and extract invaluable intelligence on the pirate network. Under the Shroud of Darkness, we approached the shore in silent, specialized boats, the moonless night providing the cover we needed for the element of surprise. Tension hung in the air as we neared the beach, each member of the team laser focused on the imminent task. Upon reaching the shoreline, we silently disembarked, moving with the stealth and precision that defined our training. Navigating through dense vegetation, we evaded enemy patrols, strategically placing reconnaissance devices to gather real-time intelligence. As dawn's light began to stain the sky, SEAL Team Bravo reached the outskirts of the village. Through night vision goggles, we observed the compound where Blackbeard supposedly hid. Huddled together, we finalized our plan, reinforcing our commitment to the mission and each other. We breached the compound with controlled aggression, swiftly and silently clearing rooms as we advanced toward our target. The air crackled with tension as we encountered armed guards, engaging in close-quarters combat with the efficiency of a well-oiled machine. Bullets pierced the air, and the echoes of grenades reverberated through the compound, but we pressed forward. In a climactic moment, Lieutenant Thompson confronted Blackbeard in a room filled with maps, weapons, and stolen goods. A fierce firefight ensued, each shot amplifying the high stakes of the operation. Thompson's training took over, and with calculated precision, he neutralized the pirate leader. With Blackbeard incapacitated, we secured the compound, seizing documents, computers, and communication devices that held valuable insights into the pirate network's operations. As we exfiltrated, 
destruction trailed in our wake, rendering the pirate network inoperable. Back at the extraction point, SEAL Team Bravo regrouped. Silent boats whisked us away into the ocean's depths, our identities and actions shrouded in secrecy. The success of the mission stood as a testament to the unwavering commitment of my fellow Navy SEALs, who executed our duty with precision, courage, and an unyielding sense of purpose in the face of danger. I was talking on my cell at the end of my sidewalk by the street when I turned around facing my house and saw this huge black human-like bird thing gliding without a noise coming from the east. Maybe the distance would be like three streets over, but about maybe five blocks down. When I saw this, I was stunned and stared at it trying to figure out what it was, and then I realized it wasn't anything I've ever seen. I ran into the house and yelled at my husband and my grown son to get out here quick. They came but seemed like forever, and they looked and saw it too. When they saw it, the thing was like the a few streets over, and then disappeared behind the big trees. When we saw it, we all said that no one would believe us. But I have recently been talking about it because it has bothered me so much. I've lived in this neighborhood all my life, and I can remember three UFO sightings since I was five, and all the sightings were in this neighborhood or around Stinson Field Airport. I never came forward about them because people think you've lost your ever-loving mind until recently when others I've spoke with shared their experiences. I have other stories, but this one is the most recent, and I was wondering if anyone has ever seen this thing. It is silent like it was a glider, but I could see the body was exactly like a man, a very large man. I live in Sweden and a few years back, I lived with my parents whose house is in a small village in the middle of the woods, so there is plenty of wildlife around. It was in the middle of the winter and pretty much the whole village had gathered at a hut down by the lake to grill and have a nice time. It was about 8 p.m. and it was dark as shit and I wanted to go home and play Skyrim. So I left and began the two kilometer walk home only having my phone to light the path. After one kilometer I heard something. It was a deep panting. It was way too deep to be a neighboring dog and I remembered someone mentioning earlier that wolves had been seen near the village. I tried to keep my cool and kept walking in the same pace trying to spot whatever was running a few meters away from me, breathing loudly, but the light was too weak to spot anything. At this point I was freaking out a little inside and picked up a large tree branch and carried it with me like a weapon, just in case. The thing ran beside me for a hundred meters, then disappeared. When I hadn't heard it for a few seconds, I ran as fast as I could the few hundred remaining meters. I never got to know if it was a wolf, Bigfoot, Crawler, or any other cryptid or not. Because it began to snow soon after, covering the tracks. And after checking with the neighbors, I know it wasn't a dog. That's probably the most scared I've ever been. I encountered a huge, brilliant red light while finishing my rounds as a security guard. It hovered above some trees near a construction site. Curiosity compelled me to investigate further, leading me closer to the site. There, I discovered a large saucer-shaped object with a hump in the center-bottom section, surrounded by a vibrant red light. As I approached, a low whirring sound reached my ears, 
and the object descended, landing on a tripod-like gear. To my surprise, a stairway-like protrusion extended towards the ground. A figure emerged from the craft and began descending. The humanoid stood at an impressive height of eight feet, with long, dangling arms, a massive torso, and short, stump-like legs. Its face was elongated and oval-shaped, with two tear-shaped eyes that captured my attention. An eerie sensation gripped me as the creature moved towards me with high, loping steps. I felt a strong humming inside my skull and caught a whiff of an odor reminiscent of rotten eggs. Just then, a passing car on the road behind me caught the creature's attention. It abruptly retreated and swiftly boarded the object, which rapidly took off and vanished into the sky.